Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway. Monday edition is here. And we're all back together. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. With Chad Withrow and Paul Kaharski, I'm Jonathan Dutton, the entire cast and crew making it happen from OutKick. Gentlemen, good afternoon. A lot to get to. Chad's back from Birmingham. Paul's back from uh, the first media availability of the NFL offseason. I'm back from Oklahoma, and it's going to be a jam-packed show full of sports and pop culture headlines. You know what I just heard? We're back. We're it doesn't back. matter where we're all back from. <laughs> the bottom line is that we're all back, and we are ready to go this week. Big weekend of sports. We all had a big weekend in uh, different ways. And I'm ready for the show today. You're geared up. You're logoed up. Well, Paul's also layered up. I mean, we're all really on brand right, right now. I've got the, the USFL brand, the OutKick brand in front of me. Paul's got his layers. Chad, He's representing Chad layers today. part owner of the USFL. That's right, yeah. I'd like to make an announcement. And, uh, How much gear did like you get? I'd like to start by saying you're all fired. <laughs> How much gear did you get? Uh, I got this shirt. That was it. They had some really cool, um, some of the team stuff was cool. I like the logo a lot. So I was, I was handed this shirt. But on a future trip, I will probably actually break out my Pick credit card and, and buy some things. But I, I didn't go with that this time. I, I was very nervous that something big was up. I sent Chad a photo because I went to, uh, to make a, maybe a little wager on the opening game. And the spread was down. It was off the board. I brought this up with, uh, with Dockage today. That hey. You sent me that, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't on. know how, as if you're an odds maker, how you set odds Maybe. for a league in game number one. But they were teams, pretty close. Where teams have been practicing for like three weeks. And they were pretty close, at least in the game I bet. It was Birmingham minus three and a half, and they won by four, four point points. Game. Do you infiltrate? Like, is it worth your while? I guess it's worth your while. But, I mean, how, how much are you going to get bet on those games? It, that is it worth your while to infiltrate? Or like, uh, get people into practices if you can or interview or whatever to well, be I mean, able to be I don't, within I a just, half point I don't know how it works. I don't know like how you infiltrate have things everywhere. But, well, no, no, I don't know how you infiltrate when Vegas in week one nailed the spread. That's what I'm saying. So did they spend three weeks infiltrating to, to be able to nail the spread? Uh, well, that's, that's what he's saying. How are they handicapping this? Who's doing the research to find out? Because every, you know, we talked to three head coaches on Saturday at Outkick the Tailgate, and every one of them said, I have no clue what to expect. We haven't been around each other that long. I know nothing about our opponent. Everyone's feeling this thing out week to week, but your first game, you really don't have any clue what you're dealing with. So I, I don't know, Paul. It's a good, good question. I had it on the, in the background a, a couple of different times Same here. while in Oklahoma, and I did not have the volume on at these bars and different places we were, uh, we were hanging out. But I, I will say, uh, I thought just, just glancing at the product, Chad, I thought the quality of the product looked pretty good, especially the wide receiver play. 
Um, I, I think up front in the trenches is where you're going to see the biggest depth issues in this league. But I think at the skilled positions, that's where you're going to see more firepower. And ultimately, if you're starting the league, that's what you want. Uh, it all starts at quarterback. But beyond that, you want the guys that are going to take it to the house. And uh, on a couple of plays, get, play number one, for instance, of the league featured that. I saw in a replay of, of the game you were at. Well, I, I think the first game, honestly, was pretty perfect for what they needed to happen. And then the weather happened. Well, the first, yes. And the weather was, I, I had a, a Fox News, Fox and Friends hit at 5.30 a.m. And uh, Davey Hudson from our staff had to walk over there. I had to ask the lady at the front desk for umbrellas to walk because it was dumping rain yeah. early in the morning. And it was it was cloudy and sort of drizzling a little bit throughout the day. Sunday but I mean, delayed. God was smiling on that league because right before kickoff, the sun came out. It was 67 degrees and perfect as the sun was going down. So that part of it was good. But the first play of the game, um, I, I thought was so important because not just that it was complete, but it was a play that was well executed and you didn't have a receiver running the wrong direction or something going on where you could watch the first play and say, oh, they're not organized or they're not ready to go. It was a well-timed, well-executed play action, deep pass that was complete for the New Jersey Generals. I thought that was important. Both teams scoring on their first drive to make it 7-7, seven to seven, and then defense is settling in, and there wasn't a lot of scoring for the middle portion of the game. And then you had all the scoring at the end where ratings-wise it peaked at 3.5 million viewers for that That's final good. drive for Birmingham. The home team, and it was a decided home field atmosphere for the Birmingham Stallions. People were into the game and cheering for them throughout. That's the team that came back and won. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it much better from a game standpoint of what happened over the course of the game. I, I thought that part of it was, was very well done, and I didn't know what to expect. from. I mean, it's not the NFL, and they're not trying to be the NFL. I would liken it to a really good college game from a speed standpoint. Like when I'm watching the size of the players yeah. and watching the way they're playing and just seeing it live, I feel like I'm at a, a, an SEC game, right? Just watching the players in the field. You feel like, I understand the atmosphere is different, but you feel like you're watching from a gameplay, skill, size, athleticism standpoint. You're watching college football. I watched, and that's a good thing for the start of this league. I watched chunks of Saturday night, and then like you, I just had it on in, in the background some yesterday. Um, offensive line's not great, and that's going to need to get better to help the quarterbacks be better. Kicking, not great. Um, aggressiveness, not great in terms of two and three point conversions. I saw a lot of PATs in what I was watching and, and a lot of the hype was about these opportun opportunities to be killers and go for two and three in comeback scenarios. But also we thought maybe teams would be aggressive in terms of getting ahead with these scenarios. And I didn't see a lot of that. in what I watched, I saw a lot of standard fare, like, oh, we'll leave that for later if we need it. And they did, didn't see uh, people using it for later. Like you said, a lot of good receiver play. I, I, that's what I saw. And, and defensive back play. And, and I think it's going to be highlighted, too, because they're not going to throw many penalties. That was evident in just glancing and I thought and the refereeing was, was pretty Which good. Which is good, yeah. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was great. I, I almost wanted more Mike Pereira. They didn't have many yeah. occasions to for go him to, to him explain things. and talk to him to explain because there, was, there were no real controversies. The first touchdown of the, the league – uh, was, you know, a pretty late hit, I thought. 
where the guy got hurt on the play. And when you watch the replay of it, I'm thinking it's going to take him a little while to get up from that one where he got hit. In the back of the end zone. Yes. Yeah. You know, after he scored the touchdown. I, I, and I was curious how they were going to deal with that. Um, I, I recorded the broadcast, and, and when I got home, went back and watched it. Um, unfortunate that the first time they go live on the field, there was a sync problem with the sound, and that was it. I was thinking, oh, is this going to be a problem the whole time? It was Brock Heward interviewing Mike Riley, head coach of the Generals, and the sound was off right when they came on air, and then it was fine. After that, it was corrected, so everything else the sideline was good. Um, you know, criticisms – when you turn on the mics and you're hearing the play call, sometimes it's too chaotic. A lot of voices. You just hear a lot of people talking. It, it's, it sounds very similar to the NASCAR pit crews, where when they turn that on, I don't know what's going on. And there's so many people talking over each other, you can't really understand it. Um, you know, you hear the play calls from the coaches means nothing to the layman watching at home. Yeah. You don't know what – you can't decipher what the play call is when they say the play. But, I mean, all in all, the things they tried I thought worked. Uh, I was reading one – article about it and said I, I felt like I got vertigo a couple times on the the drone shot of the kickoff because it was a little too shaky with the drone when they were switching around uh, but I thought there was there was one I saw that was I mean I saw it and I think this is how every kickoff should be shot yeah I think it was people, unbelievably good when they got behind the guy returning it yeah and, and you have his vantage point it See, was I didn't, amazing I, I didn't ha a lot of I saw a lot of stuff about the vertigo I, di I didn't have any motion sickness from it I just and maybe it's just me getting used to it. I thought it was. I thought the drone would be closer, or or magnified more. I thought it was a little far away for me. If you're bringing me that new angle, I wanted to feel more like I was closer to it. And um, so I, I didn't. I didn't get the huge benefit from the drone that I was expecting. Maybe that was about the expectations that I I had for it. Also, it was off center sometimes. You know, kind of that swinging around the side thing. Well, I think Which that, was new to me. I think that's a necessity because, number one, you're not going to have this drone run into players. Yeah. And, and number you two. You want to avoid that. You also have Skycam. They have two different Skycams. So they're having to fly and get out of the way of that at yeah, the same time. Yeah, there's a lot time. of logistics. So it's an airport. I, yeah, but I, I do think this is, this is one of the views of the, the future, not just football broadcast. I think we'll see this throughout. I mean, you can do this. Uh, imagine this in Major League Baseball on a home run shot where you can follow the ball. Uh, from pitcher's angle to hitter's angle on a replay. I mean, that, that's, that's the type of stuff that I'm, I'm fascinated by. And I think once the viewing public, the viewing audience, watches more of it, you become more conditioned to it and you're used to kind of the speed yeah. and angles of how you're, you're able to view I it. I do, and I'm contradicting myself here because during COVID when there were no fans in the crowd – for major league sports, I was the one who said I wasn't that bothered by it. But I know at NBA playoff games what the ambiance would be like. So I was okay taking it out. Here on Sunday when the rain caused it and Easter Sunday caused it and there was no ambiance from the crowd, not knowing what it would be like, I felt like it was really missing. I think week two, it would really help if they got a nice day and a nice crowd. It was, it was a reasonably good crowd Saturday night. Chad, yeah, tell like us it. about it. But Sunday with no one there. Well, and they postponed games. They, and they and had a two, postponement. It, was, it, it, it had a clear bearing on the broadcast. They had two games like. that were, were kicked off late yesterday. Of course, the second one was because the first one was pushed back to the weather. And then they postponed the third game, which would have, would have kicked off around 9 o'clock last night, uh, local time. They postponed that to tonight, 7 o'clock. That's uh, also in Birmingham. That's on FS1. 
And if you had tickets to yesterday's games, you get into this one too. Again, that's coming up at 7 o'clock tonight on FS1 uh, as Tampa Bay takes on Pittsburgh. Well, so Saturday night they had over 30,000 tickets sold and, and fans there. And it was, it was great. And fans were engaged. You know, it felt like people were watching the game and into it, especially from the Birmingham standpoint. Um, I actually had the opposite effect on me on Sunday when I turned on the Michigan Panthers game with Jeff Fisher coaching. Uh, it's such a made-for-TV product. That's why all week I was saying, and even on Outkick the Tailgate, I'm saying it's cool that we're here and I'm happy to get this experience, but I feel like I'm missing out being here because it's a television experiment more than anything else. It's a viewer experience more than on television than being there in the stadium. If I were at the game on Sunday with no one there, it would have been bad. I would not have liked that. But watching on TV with no one there because of everything they're trying to do, it didn't really bother me as much. If I'd have been there Saturday night and no one was there, it would have been a weird you know, experience that would have been lacking. But I think watching on TV, it didn't affect me as much. But I was very impressed with the crowd, very impressed with that setup in Birmingham, a protective stadium, and everything around it. I mean, if you're in the area – it's a cheap ticket. I would say go, bring the family. The kids get in free. Um, it, it's, it's well worth it. And the football was better than I expected. It's not NFL level, but they've been very upfront about not trying to be the NFL. This is not the early 80s USFL that went in to compete with the NFL. They know that they are a minor league to the NFL type system that can work if presented the right way. And I think so far it's been presented the right way. Overall, very good weekend for the USFL. Um, in Oklahoma, I was going to attempt, attempt. I, w- I wasn't guaranteeing this, to wake up at 7.30 local time and watch Chad on Fox News uh, preview the USFL Saturday. And then I learned that he, in fact, was going to be live at 5.30, and at that point, I didn't even try. But I did see the replay, and Chad, I was, I was shocked uh, when you were with uh, Abby Hornacek, that you actually rubbed the side of your face the same way her father would after you figured out that it was uh, <laughs> Jeff's daughter who was doing the int- introduction. Well, I had no idea that someone was going to be there interviewing me. I, I just assumed because I-, I watched yeah. to prepare the day before. I watched Jeff Fisher on Fox and Friends where he had a setup in front of a USFL step and repeat banner behind him. And I'm thinking I'm going to have an earpiece. They're going to talk to me for three minutes and I'm going to give you know the boilerplate points about the league and what to expect that night and then I would go back to my hotel room and go to bed at that point so 5 30 a.m hit I heard this from so many people that saw it while in Birmingham said you seem so awake to be 5 30 well that was not by accident I set my alarm for 4 15 a.m and I woke up at 3 37 and could not go back to sleep so I just said I'm gonna go ahead and shower you could have called me and I'm gonna start mainlining coffee right now I went down the lobby I had two or three cups of coffee I was reading some things, so I was wide awake by the time we walked over. It is pouring rain. It's amazing what you'll get if you just ask someone. I go to the lady at the front desk and say, this is a very odd request, but would you happen to have an umbrella for us to walk to the stadium? And she said, I actually have two, but I need your name and room number so you don't take it from me because they're mine. She walked me and Davey out to her car, parked out front, unlocked the car and let us go into her car and take her umbrellas to walk to the stadium. Walk to the stadium in the pouring rain, get there. Abby Hornacek is the one doing the interview. I meet her. She explains that her name is pronounced Hornacek, not Hornacek, because people often say Hornacek. And I say, oh, just like the NBA player. And she said, yeah, just like the NBA player. 
And I'm saying, okay, that's great. So we then start talking about the NBA player. Yeah, he played at Iowa State, right? Yep, played at Iowa State. Where did you go to school? Well, I didn't go to Iowa State. So then I'm getting ready for the setup, and I Google Abby Hornacek to realize, oh, it's Jeff Hornacek's daughter. Did not say a word about it. Did not correct me. Didn't say anything yet, just like the basketball player. So finally I said, Abby, I'm an idiot. I didn't realize that Jeff Hornacek is your dad. Uh, Please forgive me. And she was very nice, and I thought the hit went just fine. It looked great on uh, the, what you shared. Thank you. Uh, you even uh, It's always an awkward moment when they give you a prop to hold. Like, what do you do with your hands? Um, I, was, I saw, oh, they, they clearly handed Chad a football and told him to hold the football You know what's funny, though, Hutton? I requested to hold the football because what they had going on was even more awkward. What was they that? had a, a stand in front of me <laughs> with the football. Can we guess? And I was, I was having to – well, first off, like, it's clearly – and I get it, like – if you've got me next to Abby Hornacek, the focal point's going to be Abby and not me. But there's one camera facing her, so I'm having to face her with the side of my face over here. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do with my arms the whole time? Yeah. Looking at the camera, addressing her in the beginning, and then turning to Abby and talking to her. So the producer said, you know, if you want to talk about the microchip in the football, you can pick up the football to demonstrate. And I said, what if I just held the football? Starting. That gives me something to do with my hand. So I'll just hold it while I'm talking. Instead of having it in front of me and then at some point going, like I'm on stage, you know, this is the stage direction. <laughs> now Chad's going to pick up the football, show like the camera the football, trophy. shake it to see if you can hear the chip. Yeah. No, I was like, I'm just going to hold the football. Is this ball any heavier or different? No. Because Peter King wrote, like, the ball, the quarterbacks had trouble with the ball because the ball was heavier because of this chip. And I was like, hey, there are chips, a uh, chip in the, in in the NFL, NFL ball. ball. And that chip, he's, he's thinking, like, it's some big, like, chip. It's it's tiny chip. No, it was no different than uh, any football. And I joked on Twitter, but, you know, it takes a lot of work to look that natural holding a football oh, yeah. while on camera. So well, I was trying bad, to be as natural as possible. Big Bad Chad has plenty of practice there That's in the right. neighborhood. That's right. right. Well, that was the key is I just envisioned a bunch of small children I was playing football against across the way from me during the entire interview, and it worked so out. So before the opener, they, they showed this United by Football season in the USFL documentary. Yeah. I have two takeaways from the piece of this that I saw. I don't know if you want them now or later. We can hit. Well, one we, of them was very controversial. One of your takes? No, one of the things from the show. Okay. You guys haven't heard about well, this? I like controversy. So Kirby Smart, from a Pittsburgh Maulers coach. Kirby Smart? No, Kirby Wilson, sorry. Yeah, Kirby Smart. <laughs> I was like, man. Real down. Step they, down. They did a great job in this USFL getting Kirby, Kirby Smart Wilson to leave Georgia. calls in a running back. Devion Smith, who apparently was pretty good, had the potential to be pretty good, said, we crossed the line, so we had to deal with it. Any disrespect to football or the members of staff, USFL, et cetera, will not be tolerated. So he calls this kid in to tell him he's been caught. That Smith attempts to, I'm reading from the New York Post here, which outlined, but I saw this live. Smith attempts to explain his side of the story in the footage, denying he said anything, quote, unquote, disrespectful. Smith claimed that when asked if he ate chicken salad, he said no, and asked if there's something else he could eat. When a staff member came in with pizza, Smith claimed he simply asked if he could have a slice. Uh, Wilson attempted (laughs) to justify his decision to strip Smith of his position at the end of the clip, which made the entire situation sound absurd. Basically, what, what the player said is, they said, is it going to be a problem if there's only chicken salad? And he said, yes. <laughs> and they made this like this was a cuttable offense. He was making it like, I don't eat chicken salad. I'm going to need something else to eat. 
They said, is this going to be a problem? So he, he's being a he respectful. No, he respectfully said, yes, I'm going to need something else to eat. And this guy back to the coach, they cut him over it like it was a big incident. It wasn't an incident, according to the player. He simply respectfully said, wow. like, yes, chicken salad's going to be a problem for I love me. That. He was, he was, I need some other food. He said, released. coach, all I said was, I wasn't disrespectful or anything. I just said, yeah. You asked a question. I answered You asked. Like, I said, I'm going to want some of the pizza because I don't eat chicken salad. <laughs> it's like if we came to Hutton and said, there's going to be no vegetables this meal. Is that going to be a I'm problem? Out. Hutton's answer would be yes. And Fox That's said, be a you're fine. No salads? I'm out. I'm out. And Fox said, you're fine. Pizza well, instead He of couldn't believe salad. it. He was shaking his head and everything. And, and uh, Well, Kirby coach, Wilson said you're fired. Yeah, Kirby Wilson was making it like, Nope, can't take this disrespect. Sorry, your opportunity here is blown. <laughs> Man, I got to go back and watch the special now. It was really bizarre. Well, this guy needs to he needs to now get a pizza endorsement deal. This yeah. is the headline in the New York Post is Devion Smith cut from USFL for not liking chicken salad is an unbelievable video. I don't know whether to bet on the Pittsburgh Maulers now to win it all, given this hardline stance I by their against. coach, or bet against this them. This is too much. Uh, but they play tonight at 6 p.m. Central. Uh, on uh, FS1. It's over the a delayed top. game from I, I want Sunday. A Devion Smith to resurface and eat whatever he wants. Well, it'd be a great feud if another team picked him up while he's down in Birmingham. And now, after and people watch that, you can get him really going at it. You know, the get him mic'd bonus. up. The fans get him mic'd him with up chicken when he salad? goes up against Pittsburgh. The signing bonus. And him talking trash to hey, the sideline all the time. Hey, chicken salad. What's up? What a great moment, though, if it's Kirby Wilson mic'd up with him mic'd up on the field and they're just talking trash <laughs> back and forth. And he's like, hey, I got your pizza over here, coach. Got your pepperoni pizza. There was another one. Who was the team that drafted uh, Holmes in the first round as a quarterback? Uh, Jersey? Yeah, so they were showing him at practice just sucking and Riley just being like, can't you see it? It's one, two. Your feet will tell you one, two. How many times do we have to go through this? And then they cut him. They just decided he was not cutting it, and they brought in Perez, and, and Perez was doing it much better. And it was a pretty good – couple minutes on just how like we had this quarterback we liked him we drafted him first but he just was not getting it and we had to move Holmes on Holmes is also like the shortest among the short quarterbacks there I was like when I saw Evan McMahon this this guy uh like I don't know how he played uh, to the level he did at quarterback because in high school he was the multi-purpose guy right, right? he could play multiple positions wide receiver he looks like more like a slot receiver than he does a quarterback based on his size and stature. It was pretty good behind the scenes, like real footage of a guy stinking it up at practice and a coaching staff coming to the decision that this guy can't do what we need. We got to find somebody. A couple of uh, quick observations on Luis Perez, having watched him over the weekend. One, he looks a lot like the actor Adam Driver. He does. Uh, who a is a Star bit. Wars villain, looks a lot like him. Two, as I was leaving Birmingham Sunday morning, he was getting into an Uber by himself with his Bible going to Easter church service. Oh. And I thought, this guy just played the game last night. It is early in the morning, and he is right there, Bible in hand, getting into the lift in front of me as they're pulling my car around, which is pretty cool. And this was pretty early for you as well. Well, it's not early. It was late for me, but early for most people. I'm, I'm a bit of an early riser. Uh, Kyrie Irving attended no church service yesterday nope. against Boston. We will discuss what was a great playoff matchup between Brooklyn and Boston and the rivalry now as we take center stage headed into game two. Uh, the NBA announced some finalists for the for the MVP award. Baker Mayfield in the Panthers. Looks like that's back on as a trade possibility. And we will get into how wide receiver contracts are taking center stage now 
across the NFL. All of that and more coming up today on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So, the game doesn't need... Kyrie Irving and the antics from yesterday. But man, because the game delivered aside from that. But man, did it make the series more interesting moving forward. You know, where he's in, uh, he's giving the double bird behind his head so that, you know, no one in front of him can see it, but he's, he's flipping off the fans. Uh, and and he, it's far from just Kyrie that's chirping back and forth with, with fans in attendance. I mean, you could search out some of the top stars in the league doing that Durant, LeBron, others just on YouTube chirping back on the baseline with fans and holding nothing back. Um, I won't say that the, the NBA glorifies it, but they certainly don't shy away from it. And in some ways I think uh, it, it brings more eyeballs to the product because they're treating that like they are, you know, backyard hooping uh, at the rec league or whatever. I was thinking, does does it make it the best? Put price aside. Does does it make it the best front row in sports because you got that level of potential interaction uh, w- with players? Even sometimes it's playful. It doesn't always. It's not always. I can't nasty. think of a close second. Well, the NFL. I mean, there's nothing that's on the glass for a hockey game. Yeah, but the you're glass still not that divided close. by the glass. On the glass with the uh, the. Penalty box. penalty box right there That's where you can good. chirp at guys. The NFL, I mean, having traveled and done that and been on the visiting sideline, uh, guys guys will talk to the fans. But they will still, turn around and chirp at people. But they're still not spilling into you. Like the game spills into you if you're if you're an yeah, NBA the, game the NBA is in the right spot. Way different with the you know. Kyrie flipping people off among other things. Baseball, I mean, it, you got the on deck circle, but I mean that's friendly interaction predominantly. I guess. I, I, I feel it's, like. it's basketball is, this is what I've always loved about the game. It is the most personal of sports, of team sports, because you are right there. You see the, every single emotion on the player's face over the course of the game. And if you're there courtside, you are in it. Yeah. I mean, you reach Fun. out and touch the player, and they can yell back at you. I mean, you're right there in the action. I know that in football you can, but it's just very different. I, I, I think it's the best seat for that reason. And – I think this is – it's however you want to look at it. This gives me more interest in this series. I love it. I think this is great for NBA attention because of the bad blood with Kyrie Irving and what's going on with the Celtics fans. Um, but I can also understand if you are a major company like the NBA, you don't want your star players cursing out fans left and right on national TV over the course of a game. There's got to be a balance there. I mean, I've got a six-year-old daughter – and I'd probably shy away from watching the Nets and Celtics on network TV. That's a problem. Yeah. And that's a problem for the league if you're well, trying to bring in young fans. There, it's not a, a problem for me. I have no issue with it. I find it entertaining. I don't think it's as much about that as it is 
things spilling over beyond just trash talk on 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 the court. Well, didn't it used to be more? Here I am being the old man. Uh, more kind of high-minded, clever. Wasn't Barkley more clever with it? He, he was talking crap, but he wasn't giving middle fingers and necessarily cursing people out. He's making fun of you, right? Yeah, I'm fat. Watch, watch, watch this, though. You know, well, stuff Le- like Larry that. Bird was a notoriously good trash talker right. and clever. 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 But, I mean, I don't know how clever you can be when someone is – Telling you to do something, you know, they're giving you three or four words, and you're in the in the game. Well, the fans yeah. you aren't turn clever. and say something to yeah, them. The fans aren't clever. I mean, we saw the fans what, are we very... saw what Kyrie Irving's comeback was when the guy was someone was chirping at him, right. walking to the locker room. The fans, that's about that's about as much time as you have to say. Yeah, and the fans certainly we've covered this feel a, their ticket lets them say or do virtually anything. I think the fans used to be clever. I, I remember being at games, hearing fans say things that I thought, hey, that's a pretty good way to get a guy's attention or to get engaged with with the guy, as opposed to now where it's just venomous. I think, though, the way that Kyrie Irving had some amazing quotes after the game about it, and he, he once again had a lot of expletives with his quotes to the media after the game about what's going on in the series. Um, I think the approach of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving after the game saying, hey, it's the playoffs. It is what it is. We know what we sign up for in this sport. We know how emotions get going, and we're fine with it. I think that's a better approach than LeBron James kicking someone out of the Indiana game because they're saying that. words to him yeah. during the game, right? Like Kyrie's it, putting up 39 and 18 of those in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. And, 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 it and it's, it, he's taking the approach of, all right, you can say this to me, and we're expected to be all docile and humble. Yeah. Well, that's not me. This is the playoffs. I'm going to give it right back to you, and I'm not going to change my mindset going into the next game because people don't like it, I would rather him take that approach than this is ridiculous what people are saying to us in these games and they need to be escorted out and they need a lesson in decorum when they enter the arena. They're not saying that. They're saying say whatever you want. Spend the money for those tickets. We're going to come right back at you. Am I, I'd rather that. Am happen. I crazy to want to see a guy who finds the middle ground and is somehow uh, comically disarming about it? Is that asking too much? Well, it that, might be. That, that would be you actually paying attention to the National Basketball Association. The reason why this is a story is because he flipped the fans off and then put up 39, not because he was clever and PG. That's not getting shown. Yeah, I mean, you there's... You what I'm saying? But there's not... That's not in a highlight reel. Yeah. But there's not... It could be. Again, Paul, I don't know how you can get clever if someone is telling you... I can't even say the slang for what's being said to yeah. him. Like, I, I don't know. You're not going to have, a, you know, a full Dave Chappelle routine ready for them <laughs> in the course of a game, right? Like, you can only say so many words back. Oh, but every so shot So you're going to say back whatever they're saying to you. Every time he made a shot in the fourth quarter, he turned around to that area on the floor. Now, the flip side of this is Boston won the game with Jason Tatum putting in that lay-in on the final play, which was just phenomenal. I You see two and a half seconds left when they make the pass, and I'm like, there's no, no way time. they got that shot off. Um, and sure enough, he lays it in without any problem. And that would have been a big upset where Brooklyn is, uh, seating-wise, compared to Boston. Um, they avoid the, the big storyline of losing at home. But I think the bigger storyline is there's actually discussion about this round of the NBA playoffs, which, for the record, has been awful if you start looking at these games. Seven of the 14 games decided by 10 points or more. Really, the only great game and great moment 
Or is that fourth quarter of Brooklyn and, and Boston? Other than that, there's not much to point to and say, man, I'm so glad the playoffs are here. The playoffs for me haven't started yet. But the highlight reel has, because Kyrie's playing and he's putting up monster numbers and backing it up with all the talk uh, that he's putting out there. He's backing it up with his play. I, I'm, I'm in on this series now. Uh, after that game, the the quality of the game, but oh. also the the back and forth with Kyrie yeah. Irving, who spent two years in Boston. Boston right. fans have been mad because they thought he was going to sign a long-term deal, and he left for Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving said his plan was to sign a long-term deal and then bolted quickly. So there's legitimate bad blood between the two. I, I'm, I'm here for it, but I can also – he's going to get fined. I know it hasn't come down yet. He's not going to get suspended, but he's going to get fined. He's going to continue to get fined. When he does these things over the course, Patrick Beverly got fined thirty grand for excessive profanity right. over the course of a game to because he's cussing at everyone, and that's a home game. That's him angry <laughs> at the Clippers. He's going into the press conference and talking to the media and saying every possible profanity in that. I mean, I there's something so real about it that I respect it. I appreciate it. This is Kyrie Irving's upbringing. He said it. He's like, I am accustomed to where I grew up going at people like this. They're going to talk trash while they're sitting on the sideline. So I'm bringing the same exact energy to game two. I'll thrive with this energy. And but, if they want to keep bringing it, well, I'm going to keep going back out. But to what Paul's saying about the, the PG air, like the NBA clearly went down a path of trying to sell more of the PG nature of the league right after the Malice in the Palace. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There That's when the no, dress code came there about. There is no way that yesterday's highlights include three or four times. I mean, in the highlight reel leading into SportsCenter, you're seeing Kyrie with the hands clasped behind his head giving the double bird. There is no way that happens the week after Malice in the Palace, the year after Malice. Think, things have been relaxed a bit, and all it takes is one incident like that to clamp down again, but uh, there uh, we're talking about it because it's so outlandish, not and, and because he's just he doesn't care what people think about him. Well, so he, they've in Boston he had a water bottle thrown at him in, in a recent game, not not yesterday, but that's where it's going to get more serious. Right. Yes. Is if Brooklyn goes in there in game two and wins, and someone's they start chucking things at him on his way off the court because he's yelling back at a fan. Or if they lose well, then and they suddenly, do it, because of his trash talk, you've got some drunk a, in the crowd that's, It's you know. a little bit, at least for fans, I think right now it's a little bit cute, right? Oh, he's getting angry and they're yelling back and forth. The moment there's but some sort of bodily it. harm, that's when, to your point, Hutton, the memory starts going back of to course. Detroit in 2004 when things were thrown on the court and then you're going to have a big incident and that is the last thing the NBA needs, or any league. But we're not discussing the clever trash talk. We're, it's more about the vulgar trash talk. Yeah, I think, Paul, talk. clever trash talk comes between players over the course of a game when you have time to really interact and go back and forth. If someone is calling you something awful yeah, you and you're running down the court you and you run and yell one thing, then that's it's not going to be that clever. Yeah, you're either blocking it out or you react. Yeah. Well, you know, no. the, the Kobe Bryant trash talk is – there's only a select few that can pull that off. And normally that's player to player. Well, I remember Kobe Bryant, did he get he got suspended and fined or maybe just fined because he was using a word? A slur. A homophobic slur over and over again yeah, but, during a game but and the they clever, fined him for the it. The clever trash him. talk to to what, you know, both of you guys have mentioned. Kobe whenever he goes up to a player, I, I forget who it was and, and like it's the second quarter and the guys scored like 20 and he comes up to him and goes, "Hey man, congrats on congrats on the great game." 
insinuating it's He's over. It's now. over. Yeah. Like you, you've done, and and <laughs> it was over. I mean, he ended up with like twenty four points. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that that's the type of stuff you want mic'd up for. But the the replays and the highlights of Kyrie yesterday, again, while I I can't get enough of it, I do think there it, there is a line where the the league has to look back, and and the the broadcast partners too have to look back and go, okay, how much before we're actually adding yeah, it's, fuel? It's to the like fire? a burning fuse, exactly. It's a burning fuse, and if it if it's on a, it's probably on an M eighty, not on a firecracker. I don't think people realize how much of that goes on courtside. I mean, if you just type in YouTube, LeBron trash talk to fans or Durant, Durant just lets people have it. He's mfing everybody. Yeah, well, Devin Booker had the the moment in the game where he's bringing the ball off the court and he's got a defender on him and he says something to a fan front row while they're filming it. Yeah. It happens a lot. shut up. But it was different. It went to another extreme yesterday with Kyrie Irving, and that's why people are talking about it. But But this is not anything new. The only reason I think we we, – I'll use the word glorify – is because of the performance in the game. If this is a 25-point blowout, you know, he's almost the butt of a joke. But are you because tempted he, here? Because he was trash talking. Well, what's so the much? most famous tempted? incident of all time with this? It's Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller yeah. and right. Madison Square Garden. That's and where we all go back to. Are you? Are but that you, was with Spike Lee, though. Yeah. Yes, that was back I, and forth with Spike are Lee. Are you tempted if you're a Celtic? Uh, maybe it's early in the series, but you say you're not helping us. He, he's he's feeding off of this. Well, well the, you're better uh, off the to flip shut side up. was the the team. Uh, the Celtics played great yesterday. But Brooklyn did too. I mean, it was just a great NBA game. Um, I want more of that if I'm the league. But I also. But if you're the if you're the Celtics, do you want want your fans egging him on, which is helping him produce, yeah. especially if he does it again? Yeah. At home, you're saying you're hurting us. <laughs> it's better well, if you bite your tongue, cheer for us, and be quiet with him. The only way they're going to say anything to their own fans about that is if someone throws something on the court or does something that's illegal that would get them kicked out or cause harm. I, I don't think it would be smart for Boston any to put any statement out to calm their fans down. Right. You only... want them going even more. Even if it does motivate them, keep going. Keep Jokic, going because eventually it'll knock him off his game. Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis are your three finalists for MVP. Which is no surprise at all. And it, to me, I look at that and I think Jokic is winning. When's it. the uh, announcement after the season? A couple weeks, right? Might be during the playoffs. I'm not sure. Um, coming up, we will – oh, by the way, I, I want to – Milwaukee won a game this weekend where neither team scored 100 points. And I, I think the – Your major- kind of ball. The majority of the viewing audience looked at that and said, man, what a terrible game. And I'm thinking, this is what we need more of. We need more defensive basketball. I can't tell you who's a finalist for defensive player of the year. I mean, I know, but I know Marcus Smart is one of them. I had to look at it and be like, had had it not been a story today, I couldn't tell you who the best defenders are in the league because it's not glorified uh, anymore. Uh, I want more of that. Uh, physical nature, and I thought Milwaukee. Giannis is apologizing for their performance in a game where they won, but it ended up being a, an overall throwback type game that I think the guys in their mid thirties to mid fifties crave and want more of. Meanwhile, you didn't see many highlights from that game. Well, you go back and watch uh, the last dance of the Jordan era yeah. Bulls, and those scores were like seventy nine to sixty eight. In the playoffs at times. I mean, they were very low scoring, rarely over 100 points. 
A problem for the league, too, the 10 highest-paid players in the league, only four of them are currently playing. That's a problem for the NBA, where their star power, a lot of them market-to-market are sitting at home instead of playing in uh, the very early stages of what's too long of a playoff stretch to begin with. Uh, Thank God it's not the NHL. Coming up, we discuss Baker Mayfield, where at one point there was mutual disinterest between Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. And, well, now it's back on. We'll try to explain why next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There was once mutual disinterest, at least that was the report, between Baker Mayfield and Carolina. And now there's another report that says that there's mutual interest between both parties. Outkick 360 rolls on. Paul, you have a theory with that. I think it's all coming from the Browns right now. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot, primary reporter, she's not going to be sourced with the Panthers. She's going to be sourced with the Browns. It got very, very quiet. We've been talking about it. It's so close to the draft now. I don't see why anybody would do anything pre-draft. Yeah. You might do during, something during the draft. More likely you do something after the draft. But I think the Browns are trying to stir it up. They're saying the Panthers are at the top of the list, which includes several teams. None of the other several teams have surfaced or been named. Um, uh, you know, and I'm not saying Mary Kay's doing anything wrong. If the Browns are telling her the Panthers are interested, that's a story. Um, but I suspect that's that's what's going on here. We haven't heard anything from the Carolina side, and it's a more important story when you hear from the desirer as opposed to the uh, team that would be unloading. So they have, I mean. And they'd be, if, if they were to get Baker, no matter how much money, Cleveland would be paying. They'd have two guys in the exact same situation in Darnold and Mayfield. You don't want to line up, stack up guys who are on that fifth-year option. Yeah. Um, I, I think several teams are interested in Baker Mayfield, interested from the, from the stance of just monitoring to see what happens during the draft. Exactly. And then deciding from there. The fact that Seattle or Carolina hasn't already made a move uh, – I'm, I'm shocked by it with, with Baker. But the fact that they haven't made a move to this point tells me they're waiting on the draft before truly going in because there's not much of a market left where you're bidding against the other party. And if Seattle hasn't done that yet, Carolina can sit back and say, well, let's... They're, they let's, have a sixth pick. Let's see. Yeah, let's see what happens in the draft, who, who we really like and maybe who eliminates themselves, and then worst-case scenario, Cleveland pays for part of Baker's contract, and we have Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield battle it out. But I don't it know. Makes, got- it makes sense, though, for Carolina with the sixth pick. They get their pick of quarterbacks in the draft if they want, and they can go in that direction. Seattle, to me, seems like a team that's just ready to tank. That's the only reason you don't go after Baker Mayfield. Or overbelieve in their ability 
you know, I don't, I don't see it. That, I don't, oh, there's no way right they're, they're now not, they sit there and think that. They're not sitting right, there like, thinking getting rid of Russell Wilson in a trade is going to improve our team because we're going to be fine. No, not improve without Russell Wilson, but that they can be a reasonable team. You know, a uh, uh, 500 doesn't exist anymore. So, something around that with the potential yeah. for. I mean, I, I think good. you go into the season if you're the coaches and players thinking, boy, if everything breaks right, maybe we're 500. But you, if you don't go get Baker Mayfield if he's available who's a huge upgrade over Drew Locke and anything they have right now, right. then you're, you've told the league, we're going for a high draft pick next if year. If you're Baker Mayfield, don't you show up to the offseason work, the voluntary work I with would. Cleveland? You're unless, under contract. They picked you up your assurance. option. The, you're trying now. You're speaking out and saying that you want to be moved. Uh, you've mentioned teams by name, specifically Seattle. Like I, I would show up and, and force the, their hand a little bit more, be more aggressive instead of sitting back and letting the trade market Kind of play itself and, out. Unless they've made some deal with your agent at some, some pro, pro, you know, you have some something going on in the background where they've assured you uh, of something, I, I would show up to force it. Here's, here's another thing that gained some life in, in my head uh, out of Peter King's column this morning. He talked to like 12 people around the league, seemingly mostly GMs, who said uh, some of them give – life to the idea that there won't be a guy drafted who touches the ball in the top 10 or maybe not Ooh, until wow. number 10 and it would be a receiver at 10th could it be if it's one of the quarterbacks Malik Willis we're hearing the the rising comments with Malik Willis from Liberty we'll discuss him and why you should prepare this week for the NFL draft drama that's next on now kick 360.